Hi, and welcome to the Hollywood Dreammaker Podcast. I'm your host, Billy Gallo. I'm a 35-year veteran actor. I'm the kid who came out to Hollywood with 200 bucks in my pocket and one-way ticket when I was 18. Didn't know a soul out here, and I've been living my dream ever since. I've had an amazing career. I've been an Academy Award-winning film, blockbuster film, hit TV series. You name it, I've done it, and I got the IMDB credits to prove it. Six years ago, I opened up my own school, the Manhattan Actor Studio, where I found my true passion. That's teaching the craft of acting, but not only teaching the craft of being the guy. Success leaves clues. I know how to make dreams a reality. I did it for myself, and I do it on a daily basis for my students. And I can help you achieve yours. Welcome to my podcast. Let's get started. I am super excited to welcome my guest. You may know him from his legendary role as Jackie Childs on Seinfeld, his work in Atlantis, The Lost Empire, Meet the Spartans, Smallville, Doom Patrol, or one of his other 193 credits on IMDb. He's a badass practitioner of Wing Chun. He's an all-around great guy, my friend, Phil Morris. Really? Welcome. Welcome to <laughs> Dream Maker, brother. Uh, man, I appreciate you having me. It's, uh, we've known each other a long time. This is a real honor. So thank you for having me. You know, speaking of that, how, we met, what, 1990? 93, 4? Something 94? like that. Yeah. yeah. So we've known each other a while. A <laughs> long time. That was a beautiful experience, too. You know, I mean, sometimes you don't know why you have them. And maybe this was the reason why we were on that set, you know? Yeah, the greatest thing to come out of that is our friendship. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it would have been nice if the pilot went. You know, <laughs> we did a pilot together for it was a spinoff of the Martin Lawrence show. Mm -hmm. It was a, a backdoor pilot where we had uh, our own record label. Yeah, and uh, we ran the show. Yeah, I was and, the boss. You were the A and R guy. Yeah, <laughs> we had it was a fun, fun show. No, it was really good. Uh, the spinoff was for Tashina Arnold, who's a wonderful actress and has done yes. so many wonderful things. And uh, yeah, it was a great pilot. I don't know why it didn't picked up, but that's, that's the business sometimes. That's show business. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're recording this, uh, I think it's what, August 26th? You know, we're five, six months into this, you know, COVID. Uh, how are you holding up? I'm doing pretty well. I, I think I've been one of the lucky ones, quite honestly. I... Um, I got back from Atlanta doing the show Doom Patrol, which you, you know, so graciously said that I was on, and it's a wonderful experience. But I got back from Atlanta like two or three days before everything shut down, and like another four days before our industry completely shut down. Um, and then I was home for a couple of months, just you know, doing this whole mitigation protocol stuff. Uh, and then I got a call from a, a person I'd worked with before, similar to yourself, who was doing a movie in Arkansas. And they were one of the first SAG certified productions to be up and running during the COVID-19 pandemic. And the movie was just so beautiful. The script was so right uh, with all the social change that we're hopefully going through and what's going on in our society. This movie takes place in 1866, which is three years after the Civil War ended. It's a beautiful um, horror film, morality tale. And there's some wonderful actors, Tim Blake Nelson, who's a uh, Cohen Brothers stalwart, and you know, he was just started in uh, the the Ballad of Buster Scruggs last year. Yeah, I love um, him. It was a wonderful, wonderful piece. David Arquette is one of the stars of the movie. Myself, uh, Tommy Hobson. Anyway, I What's wanted it to do. It's called the Ghosts of the Ozarks. Awesome. 
it's a wonderful picture. But um, I wanted to be a part of the mitigation procedure, and they were top notch. I got tested right when I got there, negative. Got tested when I wrapped, negative. They sent me home with a home test, and uh, ten days after I got home, I tested negative. So I was a very successful case. That's one of the things I'm doing. Uh, I'm the new commander in this new Star Wars video game called Star Wars Squadrons. It's coming out in October. Um, it's intense. It's beautiful. It's I've been working with the Lucas people and EA and PlayStation, and I've been working very on this for cool. about like a year or so. So I'm very excited for that to come out. So let's talk about that for a second. You know, you 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 do a lot of voiceover work. Yeah, you've been do. doing it for a while now. I mean. How many years have you been doing voiceover work? Gosh, I don't know. I mean, uh, I started when I was very young, but really as a career, probably the last 15 years, 16, 17 years, about that, where it's been a real going concern. I love it because it allows me to diversify my talent. And I, you know, that's a big thing for us, right? It's allow your talent to be put in all the places that it wants to go. Don't hold yourself back from where it wants to go. And I think voiceover was one of those places my talent was telling me I needed to go. So I jumped into it, you know, and uh, it's been a really wonderful journey. So what are some of the projects people may have heard you on? I did the PJs uh, for a long time. That was this, this show with Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy played this, uh, the uh, superintendent of this projects, PJs, the PJs, uh, dwelling, building. And so when Eddie didn't feel like doing his voice, I would do the voice. So I did almost an entire season of that voice as Thurgood Stubbs. So if anybody knows the PJs and they listen, they can hear the difference between Eddie and I in certain episodes. So there's that. Uh, Atlantis, The Lost Empire, uh, which you mentioned again. Uh, that was phenomenal. Another Disney, that was a Disney feature film, which has been incredible. I'm doing this new show on Cartoon Network called Craig of the Creek. Uh, it's a great show for kids. And it's about this kid, Craig, who builds all these wonderful things. And it's about in inventing things and being creative and using your fantasy mind. I play his grandfather which is where he got all of his inventions from and his inventiveness from, which is kind of cool. And um, what other voiceovers am I doing? Oh, this, well, the Star Wars game is, is in pretty intense. And I just got another great series that I cannot talk about until they let me talk about it. But I'm just doing so many projects that uh, I'm blessed, man. So blessed. If, if I'm a young, you know, I created the Hollywood Dreammaker podcast to inspire young artists to follow their dreams, you know, and it's whatever, you know, maybe you want to be a stunt guy. I've had stunt guys on the show if you, if you want to do some voiceover work. So if I'm a young actor and I'm thinking of doing some voiceover work, you know, what advice would you give me? Like I would give any actor, get to the best acting class you can find. You know, I think great voiceover talents are also really great actors. Not only are they great actors, but they're interested in so many things in life. Because remember, you're just using your voice. You're not walking and talking. You only have your vo voice and your vocal register to draw from. So where else do you draw from? Your imagination. And all of those moments of relationship that you have, and the more places you can relate to agilely, the more things you're familiar with. You don't have to be an expert, but that you're familiar with politics and sports and religion and culture and you know race and society. And the more things you can be interested in, the more places you can take your vocal register. And when I listen to things like like uh, British Premier League soccer, right? I'm listening to all the dialects and the voices, and I'm absorbing whether it's a Scotsman or a, or a Brit, or a, you know, an Aussie, or I spent three years in Australia, so so that accent, that accent is really like right here for me all the time. I just like to play, you know. You got to keep playing, and I think that's sometimes what we miss. We're so busy trying to get a job, you know, so busy trying to fit our talent into something, we forget playing. Just play, you know. I do a lot of animation. I do a lot of kid stuff. I do. I just 
I keep my mind fertile, my imagination fertile. And that's the best thing you can do as an actor, period. But as a vocal actor, you got to do the same things. And then you have to test your voice out. You know, uh, in this Star Wars game, I play a, a British commander. Well, I had to get that dialect like down, right? So I have a really good Australian accent, like I said. So every time I would start with this lovely British accent, I would start to get real argy bargy and it would start to get real Aussie on me, you know, real fast. And so I went to the auditions and it would start in this you know, beautiful, lilting British, you know, what they call um, royal pronunciation. And then I'd slide into this Australian hardcore dude. And they were like, Phil, they love you. They think you're really good, but they think you're hearing Australian out of your face. I'm like, these guys are good because, yes, that is my, that's my go-to. So the guy who plays my son on Doom Patrol is a guy named Javan Wade. He affects an American accent, but he's a Brit. So I called him and I'm like, how do you hold it? How do you hold your accent? You know, because I had never heard it until like we were talking on the phone when I called him about this project. And he said a very interesting thing. He says, you got to get rid of the embarrassment that you feel when you're talking in that accent to anybody. And as soon as he said that, I was like, yeah, yeah, that's right. I have got to get rid of that, that looking at myself, that listening to myself, that critic. You know, as soon as I got rid of the critic, then I was very good at, at and I got the job. So that's a part of it too. Very cool. I'd like to go back a little bit, you know. I'd like to go to the beginning. Your journey into Hollywood is different than mine. You know, I came out to Hollywood with 200 bucks in my pocket. I didn't know a soul out here. Right. You know, you, your father was a legend, a legend. I mean, I grew up watching your father on television as a, a little boy in Mission Impossible. And, you know, your father was one of the, the first African-American actors on television. I mean, he really, it was groundbreaking. And, you know, those are some big shoes to fill, you know? Uh, so I, I'm just curious on, on your path to Hollywood. I never wanted to be an actor as a kid because everybody was always hitting me with, are you going to be like your dad, little Greg? My first of all, my name is Phil, not little Greg. I'm my own person. And I got that early, right? So I did everything else but act. I was, you know, sports guy, creative artist. I went to art center for a minute. I loved history and English and music and I just was not going to do the acting thing because everybody was hitting me with that. Well, all the way during school, I would do little plays or we'd do readings or I was always the reader. And I was just had this facility beyond my father. I had my own facility for expressing myself. And after high school, I got involved in a movie as a production assistant. It was a movie my father was involved with. And I was doing it for the summer for my job before I went to art school the next season or semester. Long story short, I got a part on the movie and it was great and I loved it. And I thought it was so much fun. I'm 17 years old. It's an army picture. And it was like, it was an Air Force picture actually with Billy D. Williams, Henry Fonda, my father, Chad Everett, Merle Haggard, Buck Henry. I mean, these amazing talents. I mean, le- every one of those people I've named are legends, right? So here I'm 17 years old, having this experience. It was amazing on location. I'm playing army like we always did as kids, right? I'm just being a kid. I'm like, this is it. I found it. I never wanted to work as a kid. I I never wanted a nine to five. I wanted my work to be play. I didn't want, I want the line to be blurred. This is it. So I came back to Los Angeles. We were shooting in the Mojave Desert, came back to LA and I started an acting class because that's what my father told me exactly what I just said. He goes, you want to do this? I'm going to find you the best coach I can find you. And he found me a guy named Guy Stockwell. Uh, And I went to Guy's class for about a year. And um, 
I just fell in love. I just fell in love. And then I went into Tony Barr's film actors workshop. Then I went into Harvey Lembeck's improv workshop. So I did a legitimate theater workshop, a film actors workshop, and an improv class within two years. I mean, I was in all three of these classes. I finally settled on a guy named John Lenn, who was my acting coach for years and years until he retired. You know, and I was doing commercials and modeling and doing that kind of thing. And then I got a role on Young and the Restless. And I got a three-year contract. I was on the show for two years. And that's what really kind of broke me out into the public sphere was that because when you're on daytime, when you're on every day, you know, you're on 20 times a month if you're doing five days a week. And that really helped me get my chops up. You know, that's a tough grind. And if you can make that work, you can make a lot of things work. So um, that was pretty much my early journey into this business. Yeah, you know, when I was producing a film in, in New York, uh, I was looking for actors and the best actors were the soap opera actors. I mean, I cast a couple, you know, right off the soap opera because, you know, they're constantly working on that craft every day. I mean, they, you know, they're having to pick up material, you know, they yeah. made big choices, yeah. they're coming yes. in prepared yes. and, you know, they're off book. And I was, I was so impressed with their performances that, you know, you know, I, I cast them in my film. So, you know, I think it's a great, it's tough because, you know, they're pretty much selling soap and, you know, <laughs> it's like five, four, three, two, go. Yep. And you better get it right the first time because it's a moving train and, <laughs> you know, you better sabotage that thing if you, otherwise they'll air it. You know I mean? Yeah, I absolutely. And, and, you know, and then you'll be, and they will replace you in a heartbeat. I mean, you'll come yeah. back with the same name and the same relationship looking completely different. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you do those storylines, they, they last for quite some time. Um, I hesitate to say that you're going over and over stuff, but because they'll get upset with you, but you have to find a way to make all those choices new in the moment, fresh. You know what I mean? It's the illusion of the first time as William Gillette would say, and that's what soaps give you. I mean, it's in a way akin to theater other than you don't do the same text every time you're doing different text, but it's the same character. You're dealing with the same relationships for maybe years. And, um, it does give you a great facility for learning dialogue, for making strong choices quickly. All of the things that you're doing are fairly melodramatic. That's the nature of soap opera acting and soap opera storylines and concepts. So for a young actor, especially, I think it's tremendous training. And my other, only other caveat would be don't stay there too long. You know, yeah, you, you get stuck. You, a lot of it's easy. It's easy. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of, a lot of actors, you know, I've worked on a uh, general hospital days of our lives, you know, and I spent some time and, you know, some of those actors are really good actors, but they're, you know, they're now typecast as, you know, Sonny Corinthos. You know? Exactly. You make a choice, I guess, at that point, yeah. you know, and uh, hopefully they're paying you well enough so that your career in that, in that show is, is all you need because it, it is hard to break out of that. So let's talk about your journey. I mean, how you, you won the soap, uh, you know, how you broke out of it because you've played a bunch of different characters. I mean, mm -hmm. what's that journey like, you know? I know it's different for, you know, I mean, I know for me as a young actor, there was typecasting, you know, I was playing all the gang members and the killers and the rapists and the, you know, the, the bad guys and stuff like that. What was your journey like, you know? Well, I was playing that young black lead, you know, the romantic lead for a long time. And that was great. And that's what I played in the soaps. And that's what I played for a long time after. But the reason I left the soap was because I felt I needed to explore my journey more than that would let me do. And I really appreciated Bill Bell and Lee Philip Bell and all the people over at CBS. They were great. I just am not a corporate guy. So I wanted more. I wanted to experience more of this than nighttime, primetime, movies, theater, and doing daytime. It's hard. You're you, you literally, you're doing 30 pages a day. You go home at night, you learn the next 30 pages for the next day. 
you have no social life, you know, thank goodness I was married. So I left that show because I knew in me, I needed more. And I think that's the deal with me. I've needed more. I've needed to find my funny. I needed to find my uh, evolution, my authenticity. As a well, human. you found it. You found <laughs> your funny. <laughs> well, you found it, but you found your funny. I mean, I found you it, know, yeah. I, let, let's, let's jump into that. You know, Jackie Childs, <laughs> Seinfeld. Uh, you, okay, you, maybe you can relate to this. You know, we, we take ourselves very seriously when we get into this. You know, as young men especially, we're like, man, I want to be an action star. I want to be, you know, Marlon Brando. I want to be Sidney Poitier. <laughs> yeah, you want to be, those are your heroes. Those are your yeah. idols, right? And so you kind of fashion yourself into that, that form. And for me, being Greg Morris's son, my father was very serious, you know, and he, he was always preaching to me and my, my sisters and I, you know, if we're going to be in this business, be a serious actor, be a, be a straight actor. We've got enough comedians and dancers and singers. We need people to take us seriously. And that resonated with me almost too much because, like I said, I had to find my funny. Well, I was a funny guy. My dad was not a real funny guy in life. He was a pretty serious guy in life. So that worked for him. But I was a funny, I like, I likened myself to a funny dude, but I could not make dialogue funny because I was considering myself so significant and so serious that I wouldn't just let it go. I wouldn't just fly with it. You know, I just wouldn't make the funny faces. And so for a long time, if, if any of you know my career at all, I played straight men, whether it was on Fresh Prince or 227 or Webster or I mean, any of a number of shows, even in the show that we did. Uh, the spinoff, I was fairly the straight guy. You know what I mean? I, I mean, you were a funny guy in it, and we had uh, AJ who was funny, and we had some really funny people. Tashina's hilarious, and you know, I pretty much was the rudder in a lot of the, the comedies that I did until I finally let it go, until I finally evolved, and I went, what am I doing? I don't care what I look like. I really don't care what I sound like. That's when I found my funny. When I was holding it together and keeping it in the box, you can't, you can't be funny because you can't be fluid. You can't allow those impulses to take you into a funny place. You're always looking for the significance. So as soon as I let all that go, man, then then the Seinfelds came and then the Wanda at large came and then the Love That Girls came. And and now I just do as much comedy as I do drama. I mean, there's no difference. It's 50-50, easy. But it's taking yourself into a place that you don't take yourself so seriously, that you're willing to laugh at yourself, that you're willing to be the joke, not just get the joke, but be it. That really helped me. When I came out to... Uh... Hollywood, I was, you know, the serious theater actor from New York, the Strasburg, you know, De Niro, Pacino, Brando, you know, and I was just so focused on the serious stuff. And then something magical happened is, is I became, my career was sitcoms. That's how I got my career. My own, my, my series I did with Matthew Perry. It was a sitcom, you know, Who's the Boss, uh, Married with Children. You know, I, I made a career on being funny. You know, but I never try to be funny. You know, I just try to I just played it straight. The straighter, you know, my character is just dumb. You know, he'll say something, you know, without even thinking. You know, well, I'm convinced that the, the best funny characters don't know that they're funny. They have no clue. Jackie Charles doesn't know he's an idiot. I mean, you know what I mean? No clue. That's what makes them funny. We're like, we can't believe that this person actually lives and walks and talks in those shoes. So it's brilliant. That's a brilliant choice. You know, I got to tell you, I was really proud of you. During this whole craziness, you know, with, with, you know, Black Lives Matter and the, the, the whole, the, the, the down in Manhattan Beach, they had, you know, protests. And, and I saw you as a leader standing up and, and giving a speech. Um, I saw it somewhere on Facebook, Instagram or something. Like that, and I was so, so proud of you. 
you know, can we talk about that for a minute? Yeah, please. Um, I, I really didn't know if you wanted to go there because I do want I do want us to inspire the young actors. And but this is, I guess, a part of it, right? It's inspiring humanity. And uh, we are in a tough point. We're in a nexus. We're, in a, as I've been saying, an inflection point. And um, I mean, I, I felt like I needed to speak up. I mean, the rally was right in my neighborhood. The incident lives in me fully every day. You know, racism for me, racism for me is my kryptonite. I, as a kid, I just couldn't understand how someone could hate me just because of the color of my skin. I mean, you don't like me because of what I say or because we get in a fight or an argument or that's, that's one thing. But just to look at me and say, I, I hate you because you're dark. As a child, I just, I couldn't understand it. To this day, I understand it intellectually. It's still my kryptonite. It's still what lays me low. And so the pain of this moment, I think, is what we're missing. We want to be smart about it. And we want to talk to people. And we want to say, hey, protest, you know, but don't be violent. We want to say, you know, our way of life and America way of life is intact and is, is going well and going forward. Well, not for all of us. Just not for all of us. And I think what we're missing, like I said, is the pain that some of us feel. And I think if we could understand, or if not understand, uh, accept the fact that what's happening is an outgrowth of pain. It isn't that we want to destroy things. It isn't that we want to bring this country down. It's that we want this country to speak for all of us. Doc Rivers, who's one of my favorite coaches in the NBA, said it best last night. He said, um, why do we continue to love this country when this country doesn't love us back? And that gave me pause for thought. But in my opinion, I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight for what I feel is right. I'm going to fight for what I feel is just. And until my last breath, I will keep my hope intact. You're quite religious. And I honor that and I respect that. It gives you a sense of light. It's what you use to go from the darkness to the light. And we as African Americans have found a lot of darkness in our journey. And so the protests are an, an effort to find light, to find an answer, to give voice to this time. And um, we all have to stand up and be heard. We all have to carry on this conversation so it moves forward. They ask me all the time, well, what's the answer? And I say, well, this is the answer. And it's an Italian-American talking to an African-American about this issue. That's the answer. The answer is continuing to give this voice, to continuing to say, I don't understand. And I'm African-American, and I still don't understand. I live through the filter of celebrity and privilege. I live in a beautiful house in Manhattan Beach. I grew up in Beverly Hills, California. We mentioned my father being the legend. So I am not normal in terms of what we consider an African-American male. Yet and still, I am subject to most of these things that go on. However, even though I'm African-American and a male, I still don't understand the daily fear that a lot of my people feel because they're living in such desperate situations. So that's what I'm trying to bring voice to. And I've spoken to many outlets. And, and a beautiful thing when I was in Arkansas, you know, now I'm in Arkansas, this is the South. I mean, Jonesboro, Arkansas, and Truman, Arkansas. Shout out to both. Um, and we're doing this scene. And I'm, I'm kind of commanding this scene. And it's a big scene for me. And we break and some of the extras, you know, who were local extras come. Uh, and they're, one of the guys comes over to me, big old dude, you know, wearing the shroud of the extras gear and he says hey you're doing a good job tonight and i said thank you and he says you know i'm the sheriff in town here and i said really he goes yeah i've been watching your podcasts really he leans into me billy and he says you're absolutely right we have to do better 
we must do better. Now, this is a white sheriff in Truman, Arkansas. And when he came up to me, he didn't have to say that to me. When he came up to me, I'm like, there's hope. There's a chance. He literally said, we have to deal with our citizenry in a better manner. Citizenry. You know, I mean, it was, dude, it was beautiful. And so that's what gives me hope. The youth give me hope. I mean, old jaundiced dudes like me, I mean, we're kind of stuck unless we can make a big shift, right? And I don't count on that big shift. I know I can hopefully make it in myself, but I don't expect it from anybody else. But I do expect something from the youth. And I do expect something from the people who are living in the light to speak truth and be honest and honorable in our relationships with one another. Beautifully said. And thank you. Thank you for your vulnerability. It's hard. You know, what is your podcast, by the way, for my listeners so they can... I I am not doing a podcast right now, but um, I was doing this thing called Wing Chun Wednesdays. Uh, Every Wednesday, I'd be on Facebook Live or or, or Instagram Live, and I'd talk about Wing Chun Kung Fu. And then I would reflect the training on how we live our lives. And then when all of this came up, I started to speak on, you know, social injustice. And and so that's what this gentleman saw, one of my Instagram posts. So Wing Chun, I mean, how does does that affect your acting? How does it affect my acting? And maybe you can speak to this too. I don't know if I'll ever give the perfect performance. I don't think it's in any of it. I don't think there is a perfect performance, right? Same with Wing Chun. It is perfect. I am not. I practice a system that I can never perfect, yet I try to perfect it. So it gives me a sense of truth uh, that I cannot always give voice to. And we have a conversation about what we feel. It's how you feel, how I feel. And we can have some facts and we can have truth that goes between the two of us. And that's great. But is it really truth or is it just peppered with our own impressions and our own point of view? When I train, when I move in space and I train this morning and somebody goes to hit me and I pass the hand and I put my hand on you, we don't have to discuss that. You miss me, I got you. Now, it's a high-level chess game, sure. But over the decades that I've been doing this high-level chess game, and I feel like when my body's in the flow and I'm in the truth, I cannot be hit. I hit and express easily. When we're working on set, working on our characters, when I'm living in the truth, it's beyond the dialogue. It's you and I in a scene. There is no crew. It is just us expressing truth to one another. That's not acting. That's being, right? We don't want to act, really. We want to be in our scenes. So training Wing Chun, for me, has helped me understand the truth beyond the word, right? Beyond my opinion, beyond your opinion. And so when we're working in a scene and we know it's working, man, we know it's working. They cut, whatever. Or we go, dude, we just, just, you know, we just, we don't have to discuss it. We know. And that feeling, I need that feeling more. And Wing Chun, training Wing Chun, whether I train by myself or I'm engaging with someone else, helps me exercise that truth that's beyond my conscious mind. And that's how I assist my work as an actor. That's great. Phil, you know, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. You know, we talked about race. And, you know, if, if I'm an African-American young actor and I'm thinking about Hollywood, you know, what advice would you give to an actor, you know, that's just kind of getting started? I think it's a really good time now to be in a minority talent, quite frankly. I think there are a lot of opportunities. I think there are a lot of areas that we exist now that we didn't exist when I started. Certainly, we didn't exist when my father started. Vis-a-vis the executive body, network studio heads, producers, project managers that are 
involved in creating African-American projects or minority projects. So people are on the lookout for you. Where before I kind of had to slide in, you know, I had to, hey, are they going to see me today? Or, you know, is this, is this a part for a black guy? Now we have actual uh, communities, whether it's a Tyler Perry um, or a Tim Story, who's a great director, Ava DuVernay, who's an amazing director. All these people, uh, a friend of mine, Robin Thede, who's a great female comedian and producer, she just got an overall deal at Warner Brothers. These were not happening when I was a younger actor. They happened for people like Jamie Foxx, you know, or, or, or for people like a Will Smith, who were just incandescent and you couldn't deny them. But now there's so many opportunities. And I would say to young actors of all, of all ilk, work on your projects. You know, I mean, Billy will tell you about it. You know, it takes a long time for us to figure it out. But I think as we work on ourselves, we work on our own projects, things open up for us. We're in a creative headspace. We are dealing not just with the constraints of the business, which we can't always control, but we are controlling our creative lives and our creative journey by creating projects for ourselves, finding agreement with our friends who are then going to come in. You know, we work together. We'll come in and help you with your vision. As we do those things, we open up other doors unconsciously, as opposed to me just saying, you know, go to a great acting class. Open yourself up to the opportunities that are existing now in this technological age that we did not have before. You can have your own YouTube channel. You know, you can create your own show and actually put it out there. It depends on your level of creativity and your level of uh, immersion. Um, when we started, we were eight by 10 guys. What I mean is we go to class, do our thing, probably work that day at our part-time gig, whatever it was, a restaurant job or a clothing store, whatever it was. And then maybe we get an audition. We go, okay, well, go. can I go? Can I leave? Can I do it on my lunch hour? Leave on your lunch hour. We were eight by 10. Yeah, here you go. Bye -bye. You do your audition, do your thing. You leave, you call your agent. <laughs> yeah, right. Did I get it? They go, oh, no, I don't know. Okay, I'll be at work. Call me. You know, that was it. There was no other way for us to reveal our talent to anybody. Now you've got the internet, you got Instagram, you got Instagram Live, you got Facebook Live, you got all these things where you can cobble together something of you and present it to the world. Before we needed a cameraman and a sound man and a studio. It, it was cost yeah, prohibitive. Now, now everybody has a movie studio in their back pocket. In their back pocket. So, yeah. yeah, so that's what I say. I say keep expressing, keep creating, keep learning. I mean, there's so much out here now. So that's what I'd say to people. You know, back in the day, if you want to have a little piece of footage for your demo reel, you had to actually book a part <laughs> and then hopefully get that piece of footage so you can put it on your demo reel. Go you to know, Jan's now, video. Yeah, Jan's video, have Jan <laughs> edit it up. Yeah, I mean, and it was on that big-ass three-quarter tape. Yes! <laughs> Jan Matarno, Jan's video yeah. on Yucca. On Yucca. <laughs> Jan was great. You know, people are going, who's Jan? Jan was a guy that if you had an episode on um, whatever TV show, The Fall Guy, Jan would record it for you. And then he would sell you it <laughs> on, yes. a, on a VHS copy. And then if you had enough of those, he would edit them up for you into a <laughs> At another cost. Yeah. 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 But now, you know, you can create your own demo. I tell my actors all the time. I says, you take that phone. You can write your own material, write what you know, write from the heart. 
you know, you can film it on your phone, you know, I mean, the future of casting now is self-tape. So you better get used to filming yourself. You better be filming yourself on a daily basis. Work Believe on it. that accent, Believe work it. on whatever it is that you, your castability, your star power, whatever it is that you see yourself getting cast in. Well, then you should be working on that right now. Yeah, Don't wait, absolutely. you know, TikTok, you know, COVID has been, uh, I look at it as a gift, you know, this has really been a time to get some extra time to work on your, your craft. You know, this I is agree. not a time to lay down. This is a time to rise up and really grow and get strong and get work on your your craft, your, yeah, your, your chops, instrument, man. your body, you yeah. know, everything, you know, really having all that. So when the opportunity shows up, that audition shows up, it's like Boom. I'm all set you up. Ready, I got baby. My self-tape and studio here. I got my I got my camera. I got my lights. I got I'm good to go. You, you know, you or I, get I ready have, if you stay ready. I even have that piece of footage. So, you know, let's say I see myself playing that cop. Well, guess what? I already shot a cop role. I have this footage. Maybe I send that over and they can see it. And I go, oh my gosh, that's a cop. Let's bring him in. No, I, I love it. I love it. And, you know, you bring up a very interesting point. Get, get right with it because this is the now. It ain't the future. Self-tapes are now. And so we, I did another podcast earlier today and we were talking about that. And some of the actors were like, you know. I love going into the office because, you know, that connectivity and the connection. Blah, blah, blah. Yes, it's wonderful. That's going to be less now. So you're going to have to find that connectivity without that. And that's taken a little bit for me to understand because I always want to go in and have the energy, the requisite energy for my character and for me, regardless of where it is. It doesn't matter if it's Paramount or Fox or wherever or at your studio. It doesn't matter. So self-tapes were a little bit odd for me at first because it was a different process, especially when I had to tape it at home and I had to bring friends in to read and I had to set up the whole thing. And I was like, ah, I hate this. No more, buddy. I love them. I love the process. And I go and I, I, I actually give business to people like Creation Station and the people who are set up to do that. Because again, I like going in and I like the connection. So I really like getting out of my house, getting in my car, sending them the sides. I'm going to get there. There's another actor reading opposite me. I'm walking into another space. It's not my living room. I kind of dig it. It's giving me some cool energy. I got a little anxiousness going, you know, which I like. And it's really been great for me, these self-tapes, especially going into a, a place that isn't my living room. So I get that same kind of, oh, I got to, I got to, you know. It's, excitement. Um, it's excitement. And it keeps you straight, man. It keeps you straight. And I need that, especially after so long. We've been doing this for so long. I got to keep inspiring myself motivating myself and self-tapes are actually doing it kind of digging it so you say you've been doing this long how long have you been doing it how long have you been um, in the business i stopped any other job that i was doing at about 18 years old i'm 61 wow so you great. <laughs> thank you yeah because i do what i most love to do in the world well yeah not, you know not a mystery i eat well i, I sleep pretty good I, I work out like a freak i, I love what i what i do i don't ever work a day in my life Beautiful. It's a beautiful path. I highly recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think uh, Hollywood will ever be the same? I mean, you know, you just, you, you worked on one of the first projects, you know, kind of in a bubble, kind of, you know, yeah. making sure everybody's tested and stuff. What do you think the future of Hollywood looks like now with everything that's going on? Well, the near future is going to be exactly what I just mentioned about Ghosts of, Ar of Ozarks. And I'll be honest with you, it didn't, it didn't affect me at all. It didn't affect my work at all. It didn't intrude on my process at all. I dug it, it you know, and, and, um, and I love sets. I love set life. But you know, the mitigation um, protocol didn't affect me, not one whit. And on set, everybody was beautiful, and they had their masks on until it was like, okay, camera's rolling, masks off, in your pocket, cut, whap, mask on, like automatic. After the second day, everybody was just like, it was automatic. 
And uh, I think that that's going to be the future of our business for the near future. Voiceovers are great. I've done a few voiceover jobs where I literally go into the studio, call them when I get there. They open the door. I walk in. Nobody's there. The door's open. You know, I walk up. The door to the studio is open. I walk in. The engineer's on the other side. I close the door. I have my own headphones. uh, And then everybody else is on a Zoom connect. So the director and the producers and everything, the writer, they're on a Zoom connect. The engineer's there. And we, I've done several episodes of, of uh, various cartoons that way. That's, if you could that's, go, that's what's happening. Yeah, if you could go back and give the young Phil some advice, what would that be? The thing that comes to mind is, you know, we always think about the roles we didn't do or the ones we didn't get, right? What would it be? Take yourself less seriously earlier. Just be humble and learn. Learn from the best. Don't think you got it. You know, it's... I came from this business, I, you know, I got into it, a good looking dude, I spoke well, a good physique, you know, and oh, yeah, it's, it's just going to open, the doors are just going to open, you know, and I really, had, I really had to learn about the craft, you know, I had to learn about, you know, um, my internal workings, uh, who I was, and, and I wish that I had started that journey right when I decided, you know, and I didn't fool myself with the construct of Hollywood and being a star. I don't even know how you get there. I only know how to be better at what I'm doing today and tomorrow and the next day. And I wish I had had that simplicity and that humility earlier. I think that's what I wish I'd have changed, if anything. That's great advice. I can't thank you enough, Phil, for taking the time to you know, come on the show. It's, uh, it means a lot to me. You know, I, I respect you as an actor. I respect you as a human being. You know, I, I consider you a brother. And, uh, you know, there's some beautiful wisdom that you dropped today. So I really appreciate you taking this time. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, Billy, Billy Gallo, I love you. I, really I love, love you, brother. Mm-hmm. I love you. And, thank you know, you. once this uh, calms down a little bit, I can't wait to, you know, spend some time together. Yeah, yeah. let's do that, man. Maybe do a little work together. I wouldn't mind that. Yeah, I, you know, I'm ready to go. You know, I, I've been blessed. I mean, I, I act so, I act every day, all day long. I'm everybody's <laughs> scene partner, you know, you know, so I mean, I'm, I, I'm really getting my fill of acting, mm. but you know, I, I have a couple of things, you know, I'm developing right now. There's a couple of things that are going to happen real soon. And um, good, good, there's good. A, the project that we worked on that, you know, there's, there's some movement on that. That's a great project. It's just Thank so, you. Good. so good for you. It's just such a great premise and I wish you all the best with that. Thank you, brother. All right, well, listen, stay safe, stay healthy. God bless. We'll do. Love to the family. Same here. Send my love. I will do, buddy. Take care of yourself. Take care, brother. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. Please rate, review, share this with your friends. Subscribe if you haven't. Please take whatever you get from here, the golden nuggets, and apply them to your career. Go after your dreams with passion. Don't let anybody tell you it can't be done. I believe in you. Follow your dreams. I'll see you in Hollywood.